Welcome back to Music Heritage UK's podcast series, It's Only Rock and Roll. This time, we're in conversation with Dave Brock from psychedelic space rock icons Hawkwind. We discuss his musical education, science fiction, playing live, and their upcoming gig backed by a full orchestra at the London Palladium in November 2018. This anniversary concert will celebrate the 50 years the band has been playing and recording, championing charitable causes, and cheerleading underground cultural movements. Hawkwind established a new genre of space rock in the late 1960s by merging blues with psychedelic rock. Their album, Silver Machine, took the genre mainstream in 1972, peaking at number two in the charts. Over the years, the band have released more than 30 albums and 11 live recordings. At the Isle of Wight in 1970, they decided to play on the fringes of the festival for free, kick-starting the free festival movement of the 1970s and beyond. Along the way, musicians like Lemmy, who would later find fame with Motorhead, and Ginger Baker from Cream joined Hawkwind. Other contributors to the band have included sci-fi author Michael Moorcock, poet Bob Calvert, designer Barney Bubbles, and lighting engineer Liquid Len. Together, these contributors helped to craft a mythical live event, regarded by many as some of the first multimedia live shows. This ethos continues through to this day with each live show a unique immersive sensory experience. We asked Dave all about his roots, how he started playing music and his early bands. How did I get into music? Well, now yeah, that's a long story. Uh, well, probably through listening to uh, records of Fats Domino <laughs> and um, jazz music, I suppose, you know, where I went to school in a secondary modern school and our uh, arts teacher used to play banjo in a jazz band and uh, me and a friend of mine, Alan, uh, he, we were talking to him and he was uh, talking about jazz music and, uh, you know, uh, we said, well, we listened to a bit of jazz music and uh, there you go. And uh, and I played the banjo because my Uncle Morris uh, gave me a banjo. <laughs> and that's how I started, really. It was the Gravia Street Stompers. We had a band, uh, you know, just made up of uh, various friends, you know, trumpet, trombone, clarinet. Drummer and me on banjo and a bass player, and um, that's how we started. We used to catch the uh, milk train from London Bridge down to Brighton, you know, Brighton Fish Market, and we used to play on the seafront down there free. <laughs> uh, I was about uh, 17, 18. Of course, you know, jazz, trad jazz was uh, in favour, you know. And I, I like to say, I, I actually, I think Bad Penny Blues, Humphrey Littleton, wasn't it? Uh, I think 1954. And uh, I had an old wind-up record player, and my mum and dad went and bought um, Humphrey Lupton's, uh, uh, it's a 78, it was, of uh, Bad Penny Blues, which I believe was in the charts at the time. <laughs> so there you go, it's quite a long time ago. How old was I then? 41, 51? Oh, I couldn't have only been about 13, 14 years old then. Uh, my mum and dad bought me a guitar, and I sort of, uh, I, I think I got Bert Whedon's book on how to play the guitar, which showed you where to put your fingers. Uh, which was very good because I've never been able to read music. I, even now, I can't read music. I can only, you know, I mean, a lot of the chords I know, obviously, after years of playing them, but quite a few chords I don't know. Um, yeah, my mum and dad uh, and I started practicing uh, playing the guitar and um, listening to uh, various. 
to most of was Big Bill Broomsey, wonderful blues guitarist and singer who came over to Britain, I believe, did a tour. I missed him, actually. I was uh, I used to play in folk clubs as I got older, you know, uh, folk and blues clubs by myself. And so I teamed up with uh, a harmonica player and a piano player. And he actually lived in Canada for a while and he knew Pete Johnson. And Pete Johnson was a very famous blues piano player, made quite a few records. He sort of learned a lot of stuff off of him, and uh, we had a band called the Dharma Blues Band playing like barrel house and blues. And then I went off to uh, traveling around Spain and France, busking and all, all the you know like uh, in Nice and Cannes and and um, various places in uh, Spain, <laughs> making a living out of busking and playing with gypsies, you know. <laughs> and uh, came back, and then uh, we. Uh, got together again with the Dharma Blues Band again and we played over at Ulpai Island we used to play uh, um, on Saturday nights in the intervals in between the jazz bands playing uh, we played with champion Jack Dupree and um, Memphis Slim these uh, famous piano players uh, and Sonny Boreamson I played with I played with quite a few well-known old blues musicians you know who used to play at Ulpai Island you know then I went to Buskin in London made a living out of that for quite a while and then uh, I formed a band called The Famous Cure which was a sort of psychedelic rock band in the sort of around about 67 where we toured uh, Holland in a circus tent and we were the B band actually I mean they had a lot of famous Dutch bands there's only two bands playing the circus tent us to start with we finished probably about eight and then they had uh, one of their famous Dutch bands on at half past eight uh, and then I came back to uh, England and um, formed uh, Hawkwind. Then. <laughs> How about that? The first thing we noticed about this strange blue world was that here time moved backwards.
Musical scenes were changing rapidly in London. Brock rode the crest of the blues and psychedelic scenes, learning his craft busking and playing iconic southwest London venues such as Eel Pie Island and the Crawdaddy Club. All the while, he was being influenced by a newly emerging and politically aware underground movement. Well, it was quite an interesting time. And when you when you look at compared to what's going on now and what was going on then, I mean, I was lucky to sort of be around where the big changes were occurring, you know, musically and politically as well. So, you know, with the underground newspapers and all the, you know, psychedelic scene that was going on, I mean... I mean, a sort of friend of mine used to actually uh, uh, run a club in Richmond called the Crawdaddy Club to start with. Yeah. Um, who used to book uh, the Yardbirds and Rolling Stones. And, uh, you know, I sort of went down there. So I was around where there was a lot of really good bands. I mean, I saw, you know, Cyril Davis and the All-Stars. Cyril Davis, one of our harmonica players. Some really good bands that were around there. You know, some really good rhythm and blues bands. Saturday nights over there. I used to know Keith Ralph really well, actually, him and his sister. Uh-huh. And of course, I knew Eric Clapton pretty well too, because uh, we used to sit uh, together at Ilpile and practicing and guitar. Uh, it was quite a nice musical scene around that area, Twickenham and Richmond scene. There was uh, a really good musical scene around there. You know, you think when you look at all the people who used to hang out there, who play Jeff Beck, a lot of famous musicians now, John Mayer and so on. You know, the actual guy who, who was really behind all this was a man called Arthur Chisnell who, who uh, ran the Pie Island and Arthur uh, you know really booked all these bands and, and he really must have influenced a huge amount of like teenagers then as we were you know yeah. uh, influenced a lot of us into you know buying old blues records and listening to jazz because it was him who actually booked all these bands into Pie Island so uh, you know I think he was a great instigator of uh, a whole genre of music, really. I mean, Arthur was a great character. You know, he's really central with a big bushy beard and sandals. You know, <laughs> <laughs> an old beatnik. You know, and people were called Bohemians then to start with. First right. of all, you know, uh, and then it become like you know beatniks. Uh, you know, people used to wear berries and little uh, uh, sort of um, <laughs> little beards that look like little bits of uh, paintbrushes. You know. <laughs> You've probably seen all these pictures, but I mean, on, on the walls of Hill Pilot, there was these sort of pictures of these characters, you know, that uh, were painted on the walls. It was like a big uh, collage of weird paintings on the wall. And uh, in fact, I've got a tea towel from Hill Pilot. They've got a museum now. I've got a picture of me on the tea towel with Mick Jagger and all the famous stars that played Hill Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of history because uh, I think a lot of, you know, you know I mean, there's a lot of uh, kids that. I mean, regard to sort of rock and roll and music as, a, as quite a historical thing now, didn't they? Hawkwind properly started in 1969 after Dave toured the UK busking from an old London bus. Because, I mean, I actually, I did a tour with Don Partridge, actually. Yeah, Don Partridge was another famous London busker. Uh-huh. And um, he actually did a busker's tour around the whole of the UK. We played in all the town halls and travelled around in an old London bus. Uh, sleeping in our sleeping bags on the t- <laughs> top deck. It was a strange old thing to do. But anyway, his manager uh, got me to, because uh, I used to, you know, like play harmonica at the same time with a kazoo, you know, with a strap thing around the, my neck and guitar. And uh, he got um, some session musicians to play. I played a couple of blues numbers and uh, it was on the Buskers album. And that's how I really started doing, you know, getting awkward together because he, 
together. <laughs> so I did. First lineup was uh, Dick Mick um, with John Harrison. Well, uh, yeah, John Harrison was on bass. Now, John Harrison used to play with uh, Joe Lost Band, actually. A really good bass player. Uh, Mick Slattery uh, playing lead guitar. Uh, we've got Terry Ollis on drums and myself. And, um, and then we've got uh, Dick Mick, who, who sort of was an old friend of mine to play electronics. And uh, we started up then. And then we got uh, later on, we had uh, Nick Turner come and join us. Who, uh, who was a roadie at the, working as a roadie and he had a van and he found he, he could play the saxophone a little bit so eventually he joined the band and there you go you know I used to go down a lot of these subways you know especially the one at South Kensington which is kind of where the museums are it's a big long subway down there yeah I used to echo a lot and it was great and I used to sort of write a lot of songs I used to sing I'd try out a lot of my songs down there <laughs> And, uh, you know, they were, because, I mean, we're in the psychedelic era, we're listening to a lot of psychedelic music, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's it. it was, what we were doing when we first started up was, well, what did we do? We Cymbaline, I think we did a, uh, we did a uh, cover version of Cymbaline, and we, well, obviously, I used to write a lot of stuff, and a few of my songs, and, um, and we used to jam a lot, you know. Yeah. Play for about 15 minutes from one number and things like that that kind of natural echo out of the subway tunnel is a bit like messing about with a delay effect or whatever. Echo unit, yes, that's right, yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I had a, an old Harmony Stratotone guitar uh-huh. and I used to, you know, blow it with a, a, well, I used to blow it with the back of my harmonica, actually, you know, when you stick it through an echo unit and uh, do a lot of weird old psychedelic noises. I mean, I did work in a cartoon studio for a while, actually, uh, and I did a few TV adverts. I mean, uh, you know, like um, Music Concrete, we used to make big long tape loops, you know, that are about maybe six foot long, um, going around door handles and things like that. You could do a lot of weird stuff, uh, you know, backwards tapes and things like that. We were uh, quite experimental. <laughs> Hawkwind played the Isle of Wight Festival in 1970, becoming the cheerleaders of an emerging free festival movement. That was where we played outside it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've got, a, I, you know, I've got a, a picture of it. I mean, you know, like I say, I've got this huge picture because we played a, a outside. There was a, this big canvas city. It was called. It was like a, a big sort of silver tent thing, which uh, was a generator. It had air blowing it up. And when the generator comped out, we were playing in it. Actually. It started coming down, and people were having to hold it up with their hands. <laughs> So, uh, 
yeah, and I don't think they'll ever. I was the only band that's ever done that. Actually, we played there again forty years on, and uh, I don't think anybody else has done it. Uh, probably never again either in that same spot. Science fiction has had a huge influence on the band, both thematically and musically, complementing the psychedelic overtones of Hawkwind's music. Yeah, I mean, because we're all you know avid readers of sci-fi um, books, really. And I'm going to, you know, I could read a book and then actually um, write a song about it. Mm. So it's like Damnation Alley, you know. I mean, there's loads of songs where you go back and look over a lot of the titles that we were doing. We'd actually read a book, get an idea for a song, and then uh, write a song about it, you know. So, yeah, we were quite into science fiction. We still are. We did a lot of stuff with NASA, believe it or not. Um, we did a kids' book that, uh, with Buzz Aldrin, yeah, where he was one of the, uh, I think there was about four or five of the actual astronauts travel around all the uh, universities and colleges in America. Right. Uh, with his Kids in Space, really interesting book because all the kids ask these incredible questions, you know, about uh, what it's like up there. Uh, we did all the music for it, so that was quite good. Yeah, I mean, it's always quite a strange old thing. I mean, doing the roundhouse again, I mean, we did the roundhouse, uh, you know, in fact, I've been blue. I know we got, uh, we did record an album there, which is coming out actually uh, in December, on the 8th of December, uh, which was quite strange because uh, I hadn't played at the roundhouse uh, since 1977 when we had Motorhead as our support band. Right. And um, we, we played at the roundhouse and we had uh, Phil, which uh, Phil Campbell, who's Lemmy's uh, guitarist, you know, with his own band, which is quite an interesting thing. And we had Phil come on and play Silver Machine with us. <laughs> the band are famous for championing political and social causes. Over the years, they've supported animal and environmental charities and initiatives. Most recently, they've been involved in supporting theatres and music venues at risk by bringing their eclectic festival, Hawkfest, to raise funds and awareness. We, we run a... a called Hawk uh, Easter actually which we're, uh, we're, going, we're doing at Morecambe uh, this year uh-huh. because um, the actual theatre, the Alamber Theatre was going to be pulled down and it was the theatre where, um, I don't know if you know uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier uh, played uh, in um, a film called The Entertainer right. that um, was one of the famous places there, John Osborne wrote, wrote the play uh-huh. and it was filmed there in this theatre it's a fantastic old theatre and they were going to put it down and we heard about it and uh, we sort of work in conjunction with them about uh, getting a, a festival there which is what we're doing next year so and you know to save the whole sort of uh, theatre so we, we like saved a... the town hall in seat actually from exactly the same thing which is going to be turned into a block of flats a beautiful theatre actually uh, at seat near where we live you know I mean there's you know Doing what we do for a living, we do actually, you know, we travel around. There's so many fantastic old old uh, theatres and town halls that are really on their last legs, and, and a lot of them are run by volunteers, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a shame a lot of these places are being, you know, for the communities that go there, old tea dances for old folks, you know, musicals and all sorts of stuff like that going on for the, the local town. But... A lot of the time, the council are more interested in pulling them down and, and building flats, you know, and or offices for Seaton Town Hall. We managed to uh, save enough money to uh, have the whole place renovated. Yeah, four years we actually the council, we, five years we took on the council, and eventually the council agreed to uh, hand it over to the people, as it were. And uh, it's all run by volunteers who now run it, and so now we're on to the one at Morecambe. <laughs> <laughs> to save these places. 
The lineup of the band has evolved over time, with contributors like Lemmy and Ginger Baker all adding to the sound at one time or another. Today's lineup is a mix of youth and experience, as Dave describes. Yeah, our drummer Richard's been in the band 30 years. Uh, you know, I mean, you go through a dip 10 years, and uh, I mean, we had Tim in and out. Uh, he was over 10 years, didn't it? I mean, Tim lives in France, and he comes over occasionally and plays with us. I mean, uh, the youngest man is Haz, who's our young bass player, who's uh, quite a dynamic character. Uh, he's only 24 now, isn't he? We met him when he was 12 years old. He actually used to stand outside with all his Hawkwind records and we used to sign his records. Because <laughs> uh, his mum lived in Bristol. No, she lived in, um, what was it, Crediston, that was it. And he used to catch a train up to Bristol and sometimes he'd miss his train back and we'd see him standing outside in the rain. He said, come on, how you come and sit on the tour bus? You know, and he was only, probably then, he was about 14 or 15, you know. And uh, we'd give him a lift somewhere wherever we go and he put him on the train and send him off again and he ended uh, ended up working as a roadie for us and uh, and now he's playing bass with us so it's a strange old world absolutely uh, I mean he's, a, he's one of the best bass players we've had actually he really is quite dynamic and it's from Richard and me it's been really good fun actually having someone who's young and enthusiastic and really he's a very good musician mm. uh, you know and because we write a lot of stuff together now the three of us I mean people come and go yeah you know they they give you little bits of influence and then they go on to do something else and, um, you know, that's the way it always is. It's like a ship. I always say it's like a ship, you know. Yeah. Different crew come on board and they get off at different ports and you might sail back about five years later and they come on board again. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, it was, it, you know, it was really great playing with Ginger because, I mean, he's a world-class musician. I mean, it, it was fantastic watching what he could do on the drums. Uh, it was good fun. I mean, yeah, yeah people do give their influence. I mean, like the band, the core band that we've got now, uh, lineup has been the same lineup since what, 2006, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. over the past 10 years, you know, I mean, like I say, you know, uh, prior to that, we had, you know, our bass player had been in the band for about 16 years. And he yeah. decided to form his own band and left, you know. So, I mean, you think, when you've been going this long, uh, some people were in the band for a quite a long time others just you know in for a year and a half and go off and do something else and that's yeah. it but the lineup that we've got now we've had together for over 10 years now I mean he used to come and play with us because we played at lots of festivals Motorhead, Hawkwind you know all over Europe and all that and quite often Motor would be playing on a Saturday night and we'd be playing on a Friday night and Lemmy would come down and uh, come and have a jam with us you know and we usually stay and see Motorhead and yeah I mean you know yeah we've always been good friends for years right. you know up until just before he died you know we were you know speaking to each other we've always got on wonderfully well actually The 
To celebrate 50 years of Hawkwind, the band are playing a special gig at the London Palladium with a full orchestra backing them. So, I mean, a lot of the music that we do will sound great with an orchestra, I know, mm. but it's going to be quite a challenge getting all that together. You know, you look at a few bands that have played like at the Albert Hall or, or like I said, Palladium, you know, with, with orchestras, and I mean, it is, it's, it, you've got to be right on the case, you've got to be really sharp, because obviously all the musicians in the orchestra are really a musical score so you've got to play exactly what's going on you can't ad-lib you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've got to be on the case for what's going on so it should be quite a challenge for us you know with, but I think it'll yeah. work okay because we do a lot of spacey stuff with you know with having a choir and all that it'll all work wonderfully well Hawkwind are playing the London Palladium on the 4th of November 2018 with backing from an orchestra Tickets are available now from all good sellers, including the Palladium's own website. The songs we included in this podcast are all from the band's most recent release called At The Roundhouse. The luxury live CD and DVD package is out now at all good record shops via Red Cherry Records. That's it for this time. Our heartfelt thanks to Dave Brock for his time and all who helped to make this podcast happen.